The holiday's here to greet you And it's coming around to meet you It'll make all of our wishes come true No matter how you're planning to spend Christmas this year, we want you to remember this. I think the main character, Jesus, stands out to me. Uh, Not only was he the perfect person, uh, something that nobody in that story was, um, but he was God himself who came down and humbled himself and became a man for me and for the glory of the Father. Um, Jesus came as a baby, like... When you think of God, you think of this like big guy, right? This big dude up in heaven, super all-powerful, you know, sovereign, right? You don't think of a baby. (laughs) And so that just adds so much to the humility of Christ as well. Um, He became the most vulnerable creature of like of all time. Uh, and, And he became an infant. Not only that, like a human infant too, which is like the most weak and defenseless in all the animal kingdom. Uh, So it, it adds so much so much weight to the person of God and and what he did for us. Well, as our friend Emerson observed, Christmas is the perfect time to remember the story of Jesus and why he came to earth. I'm John Fuller, along with uh, three colleagues from Focus on the Family, Lisa, Paul, and Diane, and uh, this is the final episode of season six of the Christmas Stories podcast. So I think one of the things that we've had to struggle with in my lifetime is the de-emphasis of Jesus as the reason for the season. What helps you stay focused on Christ as central to this season? I think it's the traditional songs Hmm. of Christmas that really talk about Jesus and why he came. And um, just putting those on just declares again, this is what this season is about, because those old songs are just straight from the scripture, and mm-hmm. that's what I love. Yeah, we de-emphasize, you know, all of the secular traditions. It's not that we don't include them from time to time, but we, we have a quote board on our fridge in the month of December. We're always putting scripture. We're putting, you know, theological uh, mentions of Christmas. Um, and our boys, it convicted me this year. They said, you know, you have the wreath and the lights, but where's the crush outside? So mm-hmm. we're, we have a a uh, manger scene now in our front mm-hmm. yard that we hadn't had before. So that's a good addition to the to the display. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, I think for me, it's weird because as you get older, all of a sudden you realize that the reindeer and snowflakes um, <laughs> start being overtaken by some of the harder things of Christmas. And I had a year, a few years back, where just leading into Christmas, literally in those last few weeks, um, my brother-in-law passed away, my mom ended up hospitalized and later passed away, and my sister ended up hospitalized and diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease that shut down her kidneys, and she was in need of a transplant, and it just was a very stark reminder of the brokenness Hmm. around Christmas that certainly necessitated Jesus Christ to be born and provide a plan of redemption for the incredible brokenness in our world, in our culture, and in our own hearts. And so I think for me, that was like a pivotal point of like, wow, this is real. This is why we can now look forward post-Christmas to the hope that we ultimately will have before us. Mm, I appreciate that. There is a lot of levity, and rightly so, a lot of joy Um, But there are hard times, and a lot of us have gone through, uh, Diane, you referenced earlier that this is a hard time of year for a lot of people, especially given the last few years. Um, And so we want to encourage you, uh, whatever the situation is, God is with you, Emmanuel. 
Uh, we're going to hear some others who find God in the midst of challenging times. Uh, broadcast guest Jesse Manassian, followed by a few of our other friends as well. Last Christmas was shaping up to be the worst on record. My family and I were reeling from an unexpected, unwelcome change that landed us in a new town, and we were all grieving differently. The holidays are notoriously hard when you're wishing for what was. Maybe you can relate. Well, as a resident nester, I was determined to make our new house feel like home for my husband and two teen daughters. If I'm honest, maybe I was subconsciously trying to avoid the pain of old traditions in a new place. But whatever the reason, I decided it would be a splendid idea to gut the house over Christmas break. Why not? I mean, what says Merry Christmas? Like drywall dust and no kitchen. Well, in the middle of this two-month DIY remodel, Christmas morning came. There was no tree. Instead of garlands and an advent calendar, we were surrounded by all the stuff that used to be in the cabinets. In lieu of our traditional breakfast, we literally ate toaster waffles on paper plates with plastic fork. The mom fail gets worse. The night before I dumped all their gifts into a laundry basket and just wrapped that with wrapping paper and tied it up with a bow. I will never forget the looks on their faces when I handed them their laundry basket shaped gift and said, Merry Christmas. But you know what? The Christmas story was especially meaningful that day. Jesus met us in our grief with a reminder that he is our peace and grief. He is our strength and chaos. He is the greatest gift. Jesus wasn't born into perfect traditions in a tidy house. That first Christmas was a bit of a hot mess. Probably smelled like one too. But like our family was reminded last year, it's against a backdrop of grief and chaos that the gift of Emmanuel, of God with us, God present in our mess, shines brightest. It was a good reminder for our family to remember the true meaning of Christmas. That did not, however, stop them from officially barring me from any more Christmas demos. As a young adult, it's it's sometimes really hard to live out your faith because you have so much peer pressure. You have social media. You have cancel culture. Um, so even though I feel like I've you know I've been a Christian for several several years, I feel like that's an area in which I am very weak. Is like sharing my faith with people that I don't know. Um, because I'm very shy and I do care about what people think. Um, but I, the way that it was explained to me, I had a conversation with a friend in college around Christmas time talking about the Christmas story. And she was talking about how brave it was for Jesus, like coming down as an infant, living this life and experiencing everything that we experienced. Granted, it was 2000, 3000, however many years ago. It was a long time ago. And yet, um, he had the bravery, like he knew what he was getting into when he came down to earth. He knew that he was going to die. He knew that he was going to face persecution. He knew everything. And I think that um, if he has the bravery to do that, how hard is it to go to your neighbor and be like, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Because he sacrificed everything for us. The very least that we can do is share our faith with others, especially Christmas time is the perfect time to do that because the story is so inspiring. For me, the Christmas story has always been tied in with the entire season. You know, it's kind of like when you read one of the Psalms, you don't really remember it until it's set to music. And then years later, you can't read that Psalm without instantly hearing the song that it was made into. 
So when I was little, I was completely enamored with um, the details of Christmas, the music, the lights, the decorations, the smells, and everything around that. I can remember spending hours studying the details of everything around me. My grandmother had one of those old aluminum Christmas trees with a color wheel that would move from the heat of a spotlight. So the tree would rotate from red to blue to yellow. And we had a snow globe that had an outdoor Christmas scene inside. And I remember just holding that. I would stare at it for hours. And I'd picture myself inside the details, almost as though I had entered the globe itself and I was part of the story. We had a little brown cardboard manger scene. It was always set up right under the tree with all of the, the heavy clay figures. And I would lay down next to it and stare inside and imagine myself being small enough to sit in on that scene just as if I were actually there. So to me, the Christmas story was always very real because it was part of that whole Christmas season. And I would just get lost in the emotion of it and the details of it. It was, it was my favorite holiday season because it, it would just grab my senses the way that music does. And since the Christmas story was such a big part of it all, that grabbed my senses too. And now, all these years later, it's still my favorite holiday. I still observe the details very deeply, and I let myself get lost in the emotions of it. I know if I see a uh, Thomas Kincaid Christmas painting of a cabin in the woods, and there's snow on the roof, and there's smoke curling out of the chimney, I'm right back inside the cabin, and I'm feeling it. So the emotions of Christmas now and the Christmas story are just as real as they were back then. And no matter you know what's going on in my life, the Christmas story is an emotional connection for me because it's so real, just like all the environment back then. To me, it's a reminder of the fact that, you know, Christmas story says that God showed up because we needed him. And well, you know, we still need him and he still shows up. Some great insights from Dr. Mike Bechtel. And before him, you heard from Katie Marr, who's on staff here. And uh, we're going to listen now to some insight from our friend Bill Arbuckle about how we can focus on God during this time. My perspective's changed a lot about Christmas because I don't have to be Joseph in the Christmas plays anymore. As a, I was a pastor's kid, and you always got stuck being Joseph. It's like... Ah, not again. This guy has no lines. What's his motivation? I have to wear a bathrobe in front of a hundred people. I don't wear a bathrobe at home. I hate this. And then you're like, Mary's not even cute this year. You know, what do you do? And and so those are things as a kid, you're like, ah. But as you grow up, you're like, hey, maybe there was something more to this story where maybe Mary wasn't cute. Maybe Joseph had buck teeth or so you know and maybe he's this guy that's sitting there going what is going on in my life i i was trying to be a good guy i mean the bible tells us he was a just man and all of a sudden his fiance is pregnant everybody's going like what do you what's going on here man and then when he finally it's ready for jesus to come he's in a barn and he's like had to scoop this stuff off to the side so mary could lay down on a filthy floor and God just, he's here now, and I had to put him in a food bowl for a cow. Is that really, what is going on? And you realize, 
maybe in that moment, Joseph was thinking all these things. Like, what? I tried, and now I'm stuck with God's very own son, and he's in a food trough wrapped up in an old shirt. And God's like, yeah, but all I need you to do is just hold him close and hug him. Just do that for me. And I think that's where God enters in. When you realize the Christmas story, the, the humanity, and how God intervened in that, that's where I've grown over the years. Everybody knows Mary. Everybody knows Gabriel the angel, and the shepherds are the three kids in bathrobes that pick their nose on stage. But, you know, who is Joseph? And the Bible tells us just a couple things about him, that he was a just man. And you think, well, wow. I can relate to a guy who's really just trying to give his best. And if God suddenly said, hey, here's my son. And you're like, the best I could give him is a barn. How did Joseph feel? And then what did God say to him? That's like, yeah, but you're doing what I ask you to do. That's a just man. That's a good man. And that, that encouraged me in that moment. I do wonder sometimes if Joseph is like there after Jesus is born. And it's like, oh, I've got God in my arms. And... I'm just a carpenter and I've got to, this kid's going to grow up and I've got to teach the maker of the universe how to use a hammer and a saw. Who am I? And when you realize that, you realize, oh, that's really where God wants us because then he can shine. He can come through in that. I appreciate Bill's thoughts, and what a great perspective from him about how God can shine even in simple opportunities. And uh, we've been covering the uh, Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to continue now with uh, the conclusion of that, if you will. Here is Katie Marr, once again, who works on staff here at Focus. Hi, this is Katie Marr, and I'll be reading Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. 
And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is uh, the aspect of the Christmas narrative that really does uh, kind of serve as a prophetic uh, lead up to and set up for how Jesus uh, lived his life. So, Lisa, what stood out to you from this passage in Luke chapter 2? I think so much of it was just the the normalcy of this narrative and the fact that, you know, here Mary and Joseph were just doing what they needed to do legally and culturally and all that, and they were just kind of doing the next thing and looking ahead, you know, realizing that Jesus at this time was still an infant and then he became a boy and then he became a teenager. And they really, in the midst of all this, had to just wait. I mean, they had a promise. Yeah, they they had, hid these things. Uh, Mary hid these things yeah, in her heart. they had a promise, but they didn't really have the full picture like we have now. And so it was a continual trust every day, every hour, every week, every year of like, who is this boy that was entrusted to us, this mm. God-man? Who is he going to be? Diane, how about you? Um, where it says, then, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And I think the whole reason for the season is that he came to die. And he was saying to Mary, get ready. Get ready. And how do you comprehend that as you're looking at your child to say, that's this is the reason he came? Okay, you keep saying this to me. And how's that going to play out? So again, Mary had to wait and yet pour her whole heart and soul into loving this child that mm-hmm. was given to her. Yeah. And the whole reason that he came was so that we could have life and have it abundantly. Yeah. And, you know, I love the... Simeon it expresses this contentment. I've I've seen what I was waiting for, and now I now I can leave. You know that's like wow, that's a pretty great place to be if you can say that at the end of your life. And then the other thing as a parent reading this passage, what strikes me is talking about how the child grew in wisdom, and I feel convicted as a dad to make sure that we provide every opportunity for our kids that they can grow in wisdom, and that's through a lot of different means. But scripture first and understanding that so much of the world is not black and white. There's a lot of gray, and they need wisdom in order to navigate that. Yeah, You know, one of the phrases that we use is, our job is to teach and train, and God's job is the outcome. And that was Mary and Joseph. Hmm. Well, I, you mentioned Simeon. Uh, he's such a prominent figure in this part of the Scripture. And I just, uh, as I came to faith in Christ, one of the songs that meant so much to me uh, fairly early on in my walk with Jesus was Simeon's song by Michael Card. So I'll, I'll just go old school and say that the, the fulfillment of the prophecy, and as you said, Paul, his contentment, I can go now. I've seen the Messiah. After waiting so long, here he is. I, my life is complete. That's just a phenomenal thing to think through and then to apply that to my life today. Am I content with God? Am I good enough to say, wow, Jesus has done this in my life. I'm good. I can go. I, I don't know, but it's a good challenge for me to, to really think through. What does Jesus mean to me here and now? 
Well, throughout this season, we've been uh, trying to encourage you to look for Jesus in the season, and I trust that you've been able to do that with us. We have mentioned the book by Josh and Christy Straub a number of times, and I just want to punch it one more time, 25 Days of the Christmas Story, an Advent Family Experience, and we'll send you a copy of that book for your gift of any amount to the ministry today. Uh, The link is going to be in the show notes to learn more about donating and getting the book. Also, you can still sign up for the free weekly Advent devotionals. The theme this week is joy, and you're going to find all of the content online. So uh, you can sign up right away and start using those devotionals uh, even as we wrap up the season. Well, we so appreciate you for joining us for Season 6, and uh, the ministry is here to help throughout the year. So please, if you need anything in your walk with God or as you uh, interact with your family members, maybe especially because you're interacting with your family members during this season, uh, give us a call. We have a terrific team, a lot of great resources, and it'd be our privilege to, to help you out in any way we can. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, and then uh, details, of course, online. On behalf of Lisa Anderson and Diane Ingolia and Paul Batura, thanks for joining us today. I'm John Fuller, and uh, we'll see you next year as we continue the Christmas Stories podcast. So we'll let the holidays, yeah, let the holidays carry us away.